back in the days when I was young, I'm not a kid anymore. But some days I sit and wish I was a kid again. Back in the days when I was young, I'm not a kid anymore. But some days I sit and wish I was a kid again. Back in the days when I was just a little jiggalo, I looked up to my bigger bro, begged if I could kick it. So when he went out with girls, I could go tagging along, nagging if she had a sis, maybe could mack a baby hood rat. Y'all remember way back then when it was 1985, all the way live. I think I was about 10. One of those happy little fools singing the blues that be always trying to bag with the shag and karate shit. Saying yo mama black, his mama this, his mama that. Then he get mad and want his crap. We stay mad about 10 minutes, then it's like back on the bike to play hide and go get it with the younger souls by the bungalows. Then switch to playing ding dong ditch when that gets old and too cold to hack it. Threw on a bomber jacket, you can tell the ballers 'cause they bell wearing gazelles. If they really had money raised, be sport And all the girls had they Turkish link If it broke, then they made earrings to it Like they meant to do it But sometimes I still sit and reminisce Then think about the years I was raised Back in the day Back in the days when I was young I'm not a kid anymore But some days I sit and wish I was a kid again Back in the days when I was young I'm not a kid anymore But some days I sit and wish I was a kid And everybody say And everybody say I remember I'm still back in the days, but now the year is 87, 88. That's when my crew and I were in junior high in seventh grade. I hated school. No doubt I couldn't wait to get out and be a grown up. But let me finish this reminiscing and telling about when girls were spelling tight corduroys like for the boys' basket weaves, Nike Cortez and footsie socks, and eating pickles with tootsie pops. And it don't stop. I'm glad 'cause when JJ Fad did Supersonic, it was kind of like a sport to wear biker shorts or to wear jeans. You could smack if you mad right to hoochies with poison and brush on their backside. Dudes had on Nike suits and the boomers with the fat laces 'cause it was either that or K-Swiss. I miss those days, so I pout like a grown jerk. Wishing all I had to do now was finish homework. It's true you don't realize really what you got till it's gone, and I'm not gonna sing another sad song. But sometimes I do sit and reminisce and think about the years I was raised. Back in the days when I was young, I'm not a kid anymore. But some days I sit and wish I was a kid again. Back in the days when I was young, I'm not a kid anymore. But some days I sit and wish I was a kid. And everybody says I was young, I'm not a kid And everybody says I sit and wish I was a kid. And everybody says I was young, I'm not a kid anymore. But some days I sit and wish I was a kid. Well, it's a modern. I figured that now I'm all grown up because I'm 18 years old. And guess you can say I'm old. Steady jawbin, crew steady mobbin, you steady mobbin your head, and I'm paid, so I got it made. But didn't always have clout. Used to live in South Central LA, that's where I stayed and figured a way out. I gave it all I had, so for what it's worth, I went from rags to riches, which is a drag. But now I'm first, so. Yeah, we said that we was gonna make it since a kid, and we finally did. But sometimes I still sit and reminisce and think about the years I was raised. Back in the days when I was young, I'm not a kid anymore. But some days I sit and wish I was a kid again. Back in the days when I was young, I'm not a kid anymore. But some days I sit and wish I was a kid. And everybody say, I remember when I was young, I'm not a kid anymore. And everybody say, I remember when I was young, I'm not a kid anymore.
Welcome back to Theory to Practice, a podcast that discusses how leisure theories can be valuable tools for leisure service professionals. Again, we are your hosts, Aaron, Kelsey, Sam, Skyler. As promised, we will discuss how we can implement the concepts and theories of leisure experiences in childhood and adolescence into practice. Before we go, damn it. Before we get too ahead of ourselves, on our last podcast, we discussed how leisure in youth and adolescence can be a great way to discover how they're... Fuck, I can't read this. Fuck. (laughs) Before we get too ahead of ourselves, on our last podcast, we discussed how leisure in youth and adolescence can be a great way to discover who they are and how they identify themselves. We specifically explored the development importance of play through leisure, social referencing, play frame, keeping idle hands busy theory, as well as physical and virtual leisure activities. Play, as we last discussed, is said to be one of the most beneficial activities youth can participate in. It is defined as a freely chosen and spontaneous activity that children participate in for fun and leisure. And as we know, it can be structured or unstructured. Burdett and Whittaker explain in their article, Resurrecting Free Play in Young Children, that play has many benefits on children's health and well-being, including areas such as social, emotional, cognitive, and their overall future development. As recreation professionals, it's important for us to know and recognize that play is much more than just exercise. It creates a window of opportunities for youth and adolescents to discover their social development and their identity formations. In a meta-study in 2017 by the University of Minnesota's Institute of Child Development, they found that youth's early experiences in play and the settings they engage in play have a powerful role in shaping the adults they become later in life. So you're probably asking yourself, What does all of this mean, and what can we do with it? Well, one way park and recreation agencies are putting the concept of play into practice is just by knowing the positive impacts of a well-designed playground have on youth. So by creating a flexible play setting with equipment that supports social and imaginative play, they can help better serve the youth with diverse needs and abilities for the magic of play to really take place. To help us better understand how professionals are putting this idea of play into practice, I first sat down with Samantha Donovan, the Recreation Supervisor of Youth and Teens at Downers Grove Park District. I asked her how she incorporates play into her line of work, and here's what she had to say. I then asked Sam if she would agree with the statement that play helps children discover who they are, and she positively agreed by saying... I was still curious as to why play was so important, so I caught up with Mary Lester, who is the Recreation Supervisor of Adults and Special Events at the West Chicago Park District. I had the pleasure of interning with Mary a few summers ago, and I knew she had a wide variety of experiences in the recreation field, with teaching PE, working summer camps and day camps, special events for all ages, and now adult programming. So I asked Mary, given all of her previous experiences, why was play so important in youth? And here's what she had to say. Mary took the next question right out of my mouth before I could even ask her. But she supports the idea that youth learn who they are and what they like and don't like through play. 
Here is what she had to say. As recreation professionals, it's important for us to know that play is not a one-size-fits-all. Play is unique for each and every one. It has many influences that shape us, help us grow, develop socially and individually. It has many initial and long-lasting benefits too. And as professionals, we need to help create opportunities for play. And we can do so in a variety of ways. We just need to know our audience and how we can help them grow and learn. I'm going to recap a little bit of the keeping idle hands busy theory. Basically, it is having unoccupied time available that is assumed to be risky and result in boredom or lead into destructive activities. I would think this is something important to know because you've probably heard the quote, idle hands are the devil's tools, which means if you don't have something to keep you busy, you're probably likely to get in trouble. As an adolescent, we are told to keep ourselves busy so that we stay out of trouble. This is something that is taught to us at a very young age. This concept of idle hands does hold some truth regarding what we create in our own lives. So every action always has a consequence whether it be good or bad. This is why most parents put their children in activities or sports so that they can stay out of the streets or just stay out of getting in trouble. So for example, when I was younger, I was a competitive gymnast, so my schedule was always very hectic. I usually had practices on Mondays and Wednesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays, and they were usually about like four hours. Um, and then during competition season, we would have competitions every weekend on Sundays or on Saturdays. So I really never had free time on the weekends. Um, I did a I did gymnastics from the age of three until I was 13 years old. I never really had time to hang out with friends unless I didn't have a competition on the weekends um, or on like Tuesdays and Thursdays, maybe for a couple minutes after school um, just to do homework and like have a snack or something like that. That was about it. Um, but when I quit gymnastics, I had so much free time um, that I didn't know what to do. So that's when I started to dip into those deviant behaviors. Um, I was still in other sports, but my schedule was still very open. Um, but when I started these deviant behaviors, I was in high school. And that was where most people, like, you know, try and fit in with the different friend groups um, that could get them in trouble. And unfortunately, that was the case for me. So yeah so basically i just started hanging out with the wrong crowd of friends when i got to high school and you know i started having all this free time that i didn't know what to do with yeah i was still in sports but i just wasn't sure what to do on my free time so when i hung out with the wrong crowd that is what put me into these different deviant behaviors such as going out to parties and smoking weed and rather of going rather go to parties than go to school and as again like I talked about this in the last podcast but I just wanted to give you guys a little background of when I was younger I did have a schedule and I always kept myself busy and 
like I said in the beginning, that my parents always told me if you keep yourself busy, you will stay out of trouble. So I try to stay out of trouble, but then again, like I said in the first podcast, I was a rebel when I was younger. So, you know, I wanted to see what the others were doing and I wanted to try what everyone else was doing in my free time. So, unfortunately, that's what happened for me. Um, but I have straightened up and now I always keep myself busy so I don't get into trouble and I go to school, I work full time, I work part time and basically I'm just trying to keep myself busy. But let's talk about this from a practitioner standpoint. So we kind of discussed this in class during our discussion how some professionals will schedule a sport at nighttime. And one of the prime focuses to do this was to keep others off the streets. Um, This should not be the sole focus for planning activities, but it doesn't hurt to keep that in mind while keeping the adolescent's community in mind. So sometimes this theory is more prominent in some areas or cultures than others, so it doesn't always have the same effect from one area to the next. However, it is a topic that is always present no matter where you go. So it is important to understand the repercussions of a lack of keeping idle hands busy theory, as well as understanding what to do if there is that problem in your area. But that being said, the best thing you can do is make sure there are enough programs in your area that are able to reach a large portion of your population to provide them with a leisure opportunity they will enjoy and choose to spend their time doing. How's it going, Marcus? Uh, Welcome to Theory to Practice, and let's drive straight... Ah, fuck. All right. How's it going, Marcus? Welcome to Theory to Practice. Let's dive straight into some questions. So, uh, what type of physical leisure were you involved in as a child? Um, As a child, I I played competitive baseball, traveled the country uh, in Asia probably seven or eight years old till 18, uh, until I played college baseball. I played basketball in the winter times, and then uh, my main thing outside of um, team sports was just you know playing with friends outside of the neighborhood, um, with you you included, and uh, some friends around the neighborhood. You know, playing basketball, playing football, just making up random games. Um, really, everything we did was either competitive or you know it it always involves some sort of physical activity. Speaking more to that uh, competitive nature of the things you chose to do, so it sounded like a lot of the sports that you've involved in were very competitive. Would you say so? Yes, 100%. Um, Why do you think physical leisure is important for adolescents? Um, I mean, it's it's critical in my my perspective. Uh, It builds social skills. It builds, you know, lifelong memories. Uh, I mean, I can think of, you know, 15 things off the top of my head just – you know, stories from, from playing with friends and stuff, uh, those lifelong friendships, you know, a, a lot of the, the, the friends that I played with back then, I still have those memories with, and I still, you know, connect with on a daily basis. Uh, and also just teach you, teach you a lot of lessons, you know, teach you to be tougher or think, you know, uh, thinking of others, um, perseverance, just, just everything, you know, without your parents always being there to kind of watch over things. It allows you that freedom to kind of make some mistakes and learn from them on your own without having that constant guidance from your parents. 
Okay, thank you. Um, speaking more towards uh, those uh, social skills that you talked about, what type of social skills do you believe children learn from playing sports or involved in any physical physical leisure or activity? Um, I mean, if, if you're playing on a team, obviously, you know, teamwork, communication, um, being able to, you know, give a little bit and, and uh, just, just the understanding that it takes to be on a team and to understand that, you know, sometimes you're not going to be at your best or your teammates not going to be at their best. Um, you know, I, I think I already kind of mentioned it. Communication is a, a, a huge, huge part of that as well. But, uh, yeah. Would you say, um, uh, it's okay, hold on. We'll just cut that out. Yeah, you guys said that was a fucked up answer. That's all good. Uh, we can cut that out. Um, all right, cool. Let's go. Yeah, don't be afraid if you make a mistake. We can always go back. Cool. Okay, so I'll start off again. I'll ask you another question. You ready? So, Marcus, you are an elementary school PE teacher now. Um, as a leisure professional, how do you motivate kids that don't want to engage in physical activity? Uh, Aaron, actually, hold on a second. Nicole just got home. I'm going to let her know we're doing a little interview. All right. So, Marcus, you are an elementary school PE teacher, and as a leisure professional, how do you motivate kids that don't want to engage in physical leisure? Um, so, one of the things that that uh, I think really separates me from other PE teachers that I've seen and that I grew up with is that uh, I make it a point to be just as active, if not more active, than all the kids in my PE class. Um, sometimes we wear pedometers, and I'll wear one as well. And, uh, you know, kind of compare how hard their teachers work compared to all of them. And uh, I think, you know, leading uh, by example is, is a big, big thing. And, you know, I will purposely show the areas that I struggle at. Like, for, for instance, hula hooping has never been a strong suit of mine. So I know that some kids, they really, really struggle, you know, with throwing or kicking or whatever the case is. And it's easy for those kids to get down on themselves. But when they see their teacher struggling, uh, somebody who, who should be, you know, perfect at everything they do um i think it it shows them that they can work through these issues as well um so i think that's a big help is, is you know just showing that that i have to persevere even as an adult and that they kind of learn to do that as well um and we you know we just talked about different ways um to 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 be active outside of school and 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 how to practice the skills that that we're not so good at uh, for instance you know push-ups uh, I've got a lot of students at, at my school because we have to do fitness testing and uh, push-ups is something that they, for lack of a better word, they, they hate doing push-ups. And, and I think a lot of it has been because they haven't been shown proper ways to do it. But more importantly, um, especially, you know, for, for kids that just have that, that lesser upper body strength, uh, just getting down and doing a regular push-up is going to be tough for them. And they're going to fail more times than not. And if they don't develop that perseverance, then it's going to be tough for them to ever actually want to do a push-up. So I teach them how to do incline push-ups, like with the, you know, their upper body elevated uh, against like a desk or a table or the, the back of a couch or something where they can actually build success and, you know, do 20 incline push-ups. And then they're excited to try harder and harder and more regular push-ups. Um, so push-ups as an example, but, you know, just, just, just 
scaffolding them from where they're at to where they can be. So it sounds like as a leader professional that you use physical education as a way to, as a tool basically, to not only build social skills and um, things of that nature in sports, but also in their lives as well. Yes, 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 definitely. I mean, in, in fact, I try to teach a lot of uh, individual skills, stuff that they don't, they don't need to have, you know, a group of five or six, you know, players to go play. They can just go out and, and uh, just be active on their, on their own without having to be on a team. And I think that's something that kind of, you know, limits, um, especially uh, American youth, is that, you know, by the time you get to high school, unless you're playing on a high school sports team, you're not being active. You're not finding ways to go out and enjoy just being physically active. Um, and then that, that, that number drops off even more once, once you get out of college, because at least college, you know, you're going to have those different options to do different rec sports and stuff of that nature. But if you don't learn how to do something on your own, like an individual style sport, then the numbers of people that are still active after the, after, you know, they graduate college just immediately just takes a, uh, a, a steep nosedive. Um, and that's why, you know, you see, you know, those 25 to 55 year old people really, really struggling, staying in shape. And that's just a popular age for it because they're not active like they used to be. So trying to teach kids, you know, how to exercise properly, how to do a proper squat, um, how to, how to do a proper push up, all that, all the, all that stuff where they can actually build and kind of see, um, strength gains and endurance and all that stuff. Uh, if they see that at an early age, they're going to learn to enjoy being active and they're always going to find a way to be active. But if, if they're not taught that, that they can kind of persevere and build upon their skills, then they won't ever want to stay active. They won't go looking for it. Thank you. Thank you. How have you seen leisure habits? Hold on, let me start that over. <clears throat> so Marcus, I know you're a young teacher, but from your experience, maybe um, away from school, or in sports, perhaps, how have you seen the leisure habits of kids you've coached or taught become a part of who they are now that they've grown up or, you know, gotten older? Um, so, so like you said, you know, I've only, I've, I've taught, uh, I've coached baseball outside of school um, for a couple years. Actually, this last summer was my last year of it. And then, you know, I've only been, this is my second year teaching, first year of PE teaching. Uh, but already, um, you know, I can say that I've got kids coming up to me every Monday morning saying how and in what way they were physically active that weekend. Um, I've got kids excited, kids that struggle with push-ups or sit-ups or running or anything of that nature tell me that they got their parents and they did 20 sit-ups with them that, that weekend. Um, I've, got, I've got kids that I didn't expect to be excited about physical activity coming to me and telling me about all the different ways of being active outside of school. And then on top of that, just the, the kids that are already active that are on hockey teams or basketball teams or football teams, and they're coming up and telling me how they did that weekend. Uh, so, you know, building that, that connection through, uh, through just being physically active is, uh, is what I've seen thus far. I'm excited to see, you know, what another 10, 15 years does when I can look back at students that I had as kindergartners and see them graduate and see what they go do after school. Um, I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to that. And I think that I've already seen good, good signs of what's to come. All right, Marcus, appreciate you. Thank you for being on Theory to Practice. Of course, I appreciate you having me.
As a leisure professional, a large majority of our work involves physical leisure. Being in a majority service-based field, it is important to see how physical leisure impacts the individuals we intend to serve. For children, we know physical leisure is a building block for developing a wide variety of skills, including social skills. With this in mind, it is important that we provide the opportunity for children to have a positive experience with physical leisure. To help understand how professionals in our field think about these topics, I enlisted the help of a very close friend of mine and current elementary school PE teacher, Marcus Gates. If you recall, in the last episode, we discussed virtual leisure. This is leisure taking place in online settings, like in chat rooms, on social media, and even with video games. We discussed how these leisure settings, while they have drawbacks like potential for addiction and lack of motivation towards physical activity, can be opportunities for children and adolescents to develop their social skills and build meaningful relationships. These settings also allow for those with physical disabilities to interact with others without the stigma that may be attached to whatever disability they may have. In this episode, I'd like to build on this idea a little by introducing relatively modern developmental phase proposed by J.J. Arnett in 2000. This phase is called emerging adulthood, and it takes place during the late teens to the mid-twenties. Emerging adulthood is characterized as a sort of in-between period that follows adolescence, but isn't quite adulthood. It's the period where many go off to college and for the first time in their young lives are acting independently, unhindered by the responsibilities of adulthood and without the dependency of childhood and adolescence. It's the period where you decide where you want to go to school, where you want to live, what you want to eat, where you want to work, and also what you want to do in your free time. It's a period of experimentation and identity formation where many of our habits become the foundation of us as we move into adulthood. More importantly for this particular podcast, it's the period in our lives, outside of retirement, where we spend most of our leisure time alone. Also, it's the point where we engage in the most high-risk leisure activities, like thrill-seeking, drinking, smoking, having sex, and experimenting with drugs. This is where some of our previously discussed theories meet the theory of emerging adulthood. Many high-risk behaviors can be dangerous, can lead to addiction, and can have impacts on the rest of our lives. Sometimes they can even lead to our death. Now, I'm not saying our choices are life and death during this period, but in some cases, they very well could be. This is where practitioners can have the biggest impact on so-called emerging adults. Colleges and universities do the best they can to promote healthy lifestyles in students. Programs try to teach healthier practices of drinking and sexual activity before students even arrive on campus and also while they're at school. Personally, I went to a large university. Some would call it a party school. And many would claim that it's a top 10 party school in the United States. I went through the be safe drinking classes just like everyone else. Heard the spiels about not to drink too much and to not have unprotected sex. But what I found was the greatest deterrent for me engaging in those unhealthy high-risk lifestyle choices was being engaged in clubs and activities on campus. For example, I played intramural sports all year round. 
I worked as a student manager for the women's basketball team. I even joined our, te- our school's fishing team. Essentially, anything I considered leisure when I was growing up and found my flow state in had a club at this university. And if it didn't have a club, the university encouraged students to create a club because odds were somebody else probably wanted to try that activity as well. There were clubs for video games, cooking, outdoors adventures like skiing and hiking, uh, traveling, and there was even a club for cheese sampling. I think this is where our obligation as practitioners falls. Making sure emerging adults have opportunities to engage in the activities they already love and to provide them with opportunities to try something new. This is something that is happening here on campus at ISU. As you may have heard, Campus Recreation has announced their intention to create an esports program. Now, this program will allow people to game competitively and represent ISU in many competitions, but will also allow more novice players a space to learn how to play the games and interact with other students. Vice President of Student Affairs, Levester Johnson, called it an opportunity to build meaningful connections with this niche population of students. I believe that is our role as practitioners and is something other schools and practitioners should try to emulate. We need to offer leisure options that are appealing to all parts of the communities we serve. With respect to children, adolescents, and emerging adults, traditional leisure activities may not be what does it for them, may not find their flow state in it. But it's our job to find activities and make them available to those smaller populations of students so that they can receive the same benefits of social and identity development as those who prefer more traditional forms of leisure. Thank you for bringing theory to practice with us. We hope you found this episode useful and a valuable resource to rely on as we put these theories into practice. Make sure to hit like and subscribe, and we will see you next time on Theory to Practice. Back in the days when I was young, I'm not a kid anymore, but some days I sit and wish I was a kid again. Back in the days when I was young, I'm not a kid anymore, but some days I sit and wish I was a kid again. Back in the days when I was just a little gigolo, I looked up to my bigger bro, begged if I could kick it. So when he went out with girls, I could go tagging along, nagging. If she had a sis, maybe could mack a baby hood rat. Y'all remember way back then, when it was 1985, all the way live, I think I was about 10. One of those happy little fools singing the blues that be always trying to bag with the shag and karate shit. Saying, yo mama black, his mama this, his mama that Then he get mad and want his crap We stay mad about ten minutes Then it's like back on the bike To play hide and go get it with the younger selves By the bungalows Then switch to playing ding dong ditch When that gets old and too cold to hack it Threw on a bomber jacket You can tell the ballers cause they bell wearing gazelles If they really had money raised Be sport decays And all the girls had they Turkish link If it broke then they made earrings to it Like they meant to do it but some 
Sometimes I still sit and reminisce and think about the years I was raised. Back in the days, back in the days when I was young, I'm not a kid anymore. But some days I sit and wish I was a kid again. Back in the days when I was young, I'm not a kid anymore. But some days I sit and wish I was a kid. Again. And everybody back in the say, days I when I was young, I'm not a kid And everybody say, I sit and back I when I was young, I'm not a kid anymore. And everybody say, I remember way back when. And everybody say, I remember way back when. Junior high in seventh grade, I hated school. No doubt I couldn't wait to get out and be a grown-up. But let me finish this reminiscing and telling about when girls were spelling tight corduroys like for the boys, basket weaves, Nike Cortez and footsie socks, and eating pickles with Tootsie Pops. And it don't stop. I'm glad, cause when JJ Fair did supersonic, it was kinda like a sport to wear biker shorts or to wear jeans. You could smack if you mad right to hoochies with boys and airbrush donate backside dudes had on Nike suits and the boomers with the fat laces cause it was either that or K-Swiss I miss those days so I pout like a grown jerk wishing all I had to do now was finish homework it's true you don't realize really what you got till it's gone and I'm not gonna sing another sad song but sometimes I do sit and reminisce and think about the years I was raised Back in the days when I was young, I'm not a kid anymore. But some days I sit and wish I was a kid again. Back in the days when I was young, I'm not a kid anymore. But some days I sit and wish I was a kid again. And everybody say, I remember Through this second podcast, we've built upon theories we previously described in podcast one. By discussing the importance of leisure in childhood and adolescence with actual leisure professionals and giving our own experiences with leisure, as well as discussing case studies from our own communities, we hope we gave practitioners examples of ways to improve leisure for children and adolescents and to engage children and adolescents with different leisure interests. Similar to our last podcast, the theme of identity and social development, as well as leisure habits that carry on into adulthood, continually popped up. We hope you realize how important leisure is to children and adolescents.